Hi everyone, and welcome to Way Too Seriously, the podcast where we watch kids' movies and then take them way too seriously. I'm Paul Moffat. I'm Jan Moffat. And this week we watched and we'll be talking about Wreck-It Ralph. Jan, do you want to tell us a bit about this movie? I sure do. I have a bit of a cold, so sorry about the voice today. (laughs) Wreck-It Ralph is a 2012 Disney movie. It was directed by Rich Moore and written by Phil Johnson and Jennifer Lee. It stars John C. Riley, Sarah Silverman, Jack McBrayer, and Jane Lynch, among others. Mindy Colling is in there too, Ed O'Neill. And Alan Tudyk. What did I say? No, you just didn't mention him. I didn't mention him? Oh, Alan Tudyk, because he's in like every Disney movie these days. So, Paul, what is Wreck-It Ralph about? Ralph is the villain in an arcade game called Fix-It Felix Jr., but he's tired of being the villain, leaves the game to try to win a medal and the respect of the fellow inhabitants of his video game. On his journey, he travels to another video game called uh, Sugar Rush and befriends Vanellope von Schweetz, who also is underappreciated by the members of her video game. Together, they uncover an evil plot by an evil video game character who's taking over, who took over Vanellope's game and did all kinds of bad stuff, and they stop a virus from destroying all the games in the arcade, and Ralph discovers that even though he's a bad guy, he's still a good guy. And that's basically it. All right. <laughs> that's basically, what I think happened in Wreck-It Ralph. Yeah, um, there's a side plot with Fix-It Felix and what's her name? There um, is. The... Calhoun from Calhoun. Hero's Duty teams up with Fix-It Felix to try to stop the cybugs from her game, which function like a virus. Yes. But in the end, Ralph's the one who figures out how to stop them. Yeah. So objectively as we can, what was, was this a good movie? I want to start with vo- uh, vocal performances mm, because yeah. I think that this movie really shines in its vocal performance. Definitely. Yeah, absolutely. We might agree or disagree about how the quality of the movie in other aspects, but in terms of vocal performance, like John C. Riley is doing so well in this movie. He's yeah. so well cast and he's so good. Mm-hmm. Uh, I agree. Jack McBrayer doing what he generally always does, but like is hilarious and great at it mm-hmm. as Fix It Felix. Uh, Jane Lynch, show me something she's not great in. Yeah. And this character really works well with her voice. Yeah. And uh, Sarah Silverman. Sarah, Oh, Sarah Silverman is really good in this, too. She is fantastic. And not like, I feel like not super recognizable as the Sarah Silverman we're used to, which I like. She's really good doing a different voice. Yeah. And I mean, it's her voice turned up the cuteness and squeakiness of it. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> which is she's playing to her strengths, right? Mm-hmm. She kind of has that kind of voice anyway. Yeah. That she turns it up. I thought all the four leads were doing so well yeah, in this movie. Exactly. And then there's uh, Alan Tudyk, who is such a vocal chameleon. Yeah. But is doing really well in this movie, too. This is the movie that 
I first uh, learned that he was a vocal comedian, uh, vocal chameleon that like I knew him as Wash from Firefly was like, wait, that's the same guy. <laughs> yeah, totally. Totally. And then he works often as a voice actor and mm-hmm. is. Yeah, this is his first, I think this is his first Disney movie. Hmm. And then he went on to be in Frozen and Zootopia after this. Yep. So, I think the vocal performance is really, really good. Yeah. Objectively great in this movie. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I really think that's the strongest thing about the movie is the vocal performances. Mm -hmm. I think the visuals are fantastic. The differences between every video game and the clever background Easter eggs throughout, or even the in-your-face Easter eggs by <laughs> having, like, Bowser and what's his name? The villain from Sonic the Hedgehog. <laughs> Dr. Robotnik. Dr. Robotnik in the the Villains Anonymous meeting. Yeah. and And just all the... Pac-Man and the background people from from real video games and then the fake video games being like just barely off from real ones like Heroes Duty is very obviously Call of Duty. And Wreck-It Ralph is so very, I mean, Fix-It Felix Jr. Yeah. is so very recognizably and familiarly an arcade game. Yeah, exactly. It's like Donkey Kong. It's like any number of games like that. Yeah. And that he would be junior. Like, maybe there was a Fix-It Felix Sr.? Who knows? Yeah, but, like, this is the sequel game that was more popular than the original game. Those little details add a lot to the texture of the world and are so plausible. Yeah, exactly. That's exactly what might happen. Ms. Pac-Man was a more popular arcade game than Pac-Man was because it was more complex, but it was the sequel. Yeah, exactly. And... And then when we get to the Sugar Rush world, where we spend most of the time, just the the animation of all the various candy details and the clever little jokes, it reminds me a little bit of Cloudy with a Chance of Meatballs too, mm-hmm. where you have all these uh, just background things, all the things that are made of candy all around. And like, it's a lot sometimes yeah. visually. Yeah. But I think it's really well animated. See, and this is where, like, I agree with you that the animation is very well conceived. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's a little overly busy in all three worlds. Mm. In fact, in all four worlds. There's also the, you know, Game Central Station. Yeah. I think in all four worlds, it's a little busy. Mm. Yeah, I <laughs> It would be that. a stronger animated world if they just toned it down a little. Yeah. In all of the settings. Yeah. But um, that said, I don't argue at all with the all the like references to video games are very clever. The like amount the how similar the visuals are to recognizable video game conventions and tropes is very clever. And I don't at all dispute the just skill and competence in terms of the execution that went into like making all this look good. Yeah, absolutely. So in terms of plot. Yeah. Like, is there one? <laughs> yeah. Yes. I mean, I mean, like, it's motivated by Ralph wants people 
wants a sense of self-worth and that's externalized as a metal that other people will recognize his worth right Mm -hmm. so there's kind of three three layers of his motivation that are all directly connected to each other he wants to respect himself to do that he needs other people to respect him to do that he needs an outward symbol of their respect which is a metal and so he searches for the metal and it's symbolic of him searching for self-worth right absolutely I think that Ralph's plot from beginning to end works really well. Where this movie struggles is then you have six other plots thrown in there. Right. Because you have Vanellope's is a glitch and she needs to cross the finish line to not be the glitch anymore. But they have to find that out first. Yeah. You have uh, this backstory of Turbo who went... Who went to a different game and then it turns out he's King Candy after all. Yeah. There's the whole subplot with the cybugs that are taking over and Fixit Felix is working with uh, Calhoun mm-hmm. to solve that problem. So there's just a lot going on here. I feel like the... Mo- the Vanellope and the glitch and how that ties into Turbo is like, on a second watch, I followed it all. But the first time, I did not follow how, how all of that plot connects and how it all worked and what the behind, like, what even was exactly happening. Yeah, I've only seen this movie once before this. And I knew that there was some kind of twist with King Candy. But I could literally could not at all remember what happened with that. So I don't even know if that's a good sign or a bad sign. Like, I forgot the twist, but I think it's a bad sign. And rewatching it, it doesn't really make sense. And rewatching it this time, like, I did remember the twist and I was watching for is it seated? Do they explain it properly? And it's hard to know what they could have done better because they do mention Turbo several times. They explain what his whole deal is. Mm-hmm. But it still doesn't quite land in the end. Yeah. So I'm not sure how to fix it. But I do think King Candy is turbo. Partly, I suspect why that doesn't work as well as it should is the rules of the world aren't established strongly enough. So we didn't know you can change the code like that's a possible thing. What does yeah. that mean, change the code? What does that mean he took her place and stored everyone's memories away? Like, all of those things, how is that possible and what does that mean are just kind of dropped on us near the end? Mm-hmm. And if because we didn't know any of that is even possible, it makes it hard for the twist to, like, land. It's like if you're watching, uh, I don't know what. It's like if you were watching uh, Frozen... And then near the end, it turns out that Anna's love interest, Hans, was a villain all along. Like, is that... Wait. That's exactly what happens in Frozen. <laughs> hmm. It's just like if the main character of a movie suddenly in the last quarter of the movie, if a main character had a magic wand all along that they were able to control people with, and you're like, oh, I didn't know this was a world with magic wands, uh... You know, yeah, it's that yeah. kind of like, I know that people can move between games, but they can control the each other's code. That's a thing. Yeah. And frankly, the 
it would have had more time for that if it hadn't have wasted so much time on the cybugs. Yeah. And that that plot. That I really like Jane Lynch's character, but I feel like she's very extraneous. And the cybugs plot, too, doesn't entirely make in-world sense because they're a virus, but they're part of the game. Yeah. Why are they, like... Every other video game character is part of the game. Yeah. Can be... And every the... other video game character is self-aware. Exactly. They're unique in all the world so that they can motivate this plot that, okay, they add tension in the end. And so that Jane Lynch can run around. And, like, the, frankly, the whole Call of Duty, Hero's Duty, uh, is an unnecessary excursion you could cut that whole part out exactly and spend a little more time seeding turbo yeah yeah i also although i said that uh ralph hunting a metal kind of makes sense because it's a metaphor of a metaphor there's another layer to which like stop like oh i need a metal it's the thing i need most in the world like this is just arbitrary someone in your apartment building was like if you get i don't know a medal. I could be a good guy if I wanted to, and I could win a medal. Uh-huh. And when you do, come and talk to us. And then would you finally let me be on top of the cake with you guys? If you want a medal, we'd let you live up here in the penthouse. But it will never happen, because you're just the bad guy who wrecks the building. And then like, fine, I'll get that exact thing, and it's the only thing I care about now forever. I'm single-minded in my pursuit of this thing that someone threw off as a... Uh, backhanded one line. Yeah, you know? but I feel like that makes sense in terms of his character and in terms of like these are video game characters with single motivations. Okay. Like his only motivation before this is to smash, to wreck. Right. And so he gave him a secondary thing of like find metal. Okay, find metal. Like it's not, these aren't complicated people. They're, they're video game characters who don't have very strong desires beyond yeah the one thing that they're meant to do so i felt like that made sense to me i also think the other the one last thing i think is we see in the world building of fixit felix jr's game that like there isn't a lot to the world other than what the player sees so like off screen you know there's a brick wall and the train ends for example yeah can't, the Sugar Rush world is incredibly detailed, even places off the... Like, it's a racing game. Why is it programmed in that double-stripe candy cane branches disappear? Are players climbing the trees? Oh, I think that... I think it's not just a racing game. Oh, yeah? I think it's got multiple levels. It's like uh, racing games where you have other side games. You know, you might have a climb-the-tree part that you can choose or like a tetris part that you can choose uh fix it felix is really old yeah it's the like donkey kong and so it only has that part of the world whereas the uh, games that are newer have the more detailed worlds i thought the level of detail in uh the world was a little implausible yeah in sugar rush yeah definitely a little like it was fun but it didn't quite follow the rules of world building. Yeah. But like, for example, the, like, for example, when they build the car, yeah. that's like a whole sub game that you could play on that, on that uh, arcade game. They say that explicitly, right? That's text. 
she says, this is a minigame. Yeah. We talked about, sorry, the plot. Uh, what about the other aspect of writing? Like, how's the script? I think the script is a lot better than the plot. I think that's what saves this movie. I agree. Is that it's funny, it's clever, it's, they have characters that you relate to and understand. Like, there's a lot of it that is really to, to enjoy. I totally agree. I think the script is stronger than the plot. And I said the voice acting is where this movie shines, but that's partly uh, to the script. They give them, the voice actors, things to say that allow them to shine. Yeah, absolutely. So non-objectively, how much did you enjoy this movie? A lot of the references to, like, I'm old. (laughs) (laughs) And the video games that I remember and am understand and uh nostalgic for are the ones that they're referencing like sonic and mario and pac-man and like i never played call of duty sometimes video game uh references that reference all current games i'm like don't care Mm -hmm. but in this movie a donkey kong style or a rampage style video game is very familiar to me so i had a lot of fun with all the things I recognized and that seemed familiar and that all of that led to a lot of enjoyment of this movie for me. How about you? I agree. I think that that's the reason why this movie uh, did well. I think it did fairly well. And uh, even like that it exists is because it's appeals to both parents and kids. You have the parents who can watch it and get all that retro stuff that they love but also, uh, they can wa- kids can watch it and just enjoy it for what it is. So, in terms of my enjoyment, I like it quite a lot. I like it more than I thought I would. Yeah. It's one of those, this is, Wreck-It Ralph kind of came out at a time when I wasn't really seeing kids' movies, so it took me a long time to see it. But once I did, I was like, oh yeah, this is actually decent. This is... Uh, Yeah, this is like one of the better Disney movies that have come out recently that isn't all about princesses or the stereotypical Disney thing. Yeah, I liked, I thought, basically, I think I enjoyed this movie more than I think it objectively is good. Mm, Yeah. You know? Yeah. I had fun at this movie. I thought it was funny. I enjoyed all the performances, as I already said. Yeah. Especially uh, Sarah Silverman. As Vanellope von Schweetz, who could, that character could easily be obnoxious, and someone else might find her obnoxious, but I thought she was really funny. Yep. Uh, I'm looking forward to the sequel. It's at this point coming out in a couple of months, and, or about a month. And the trailers have been really good, but, and like, very, very Easter egg filled. Which could be a really bad thing, but could be a good thing. I don't know. I kind of like Easter egg, or even not exactly Easter egg, but in-your-face references. So I'm... we'll see. It'll date it really quickly. I'm not looking forward to the no. sequel. I'll watch it, and it. I might, I'm might. i prepared to be surprised by it. I uh, think the biggest problems, or some of the biggest problems of this movie are going to be majorly exacerbated by the uh, premise of going on the internet. That is, the world building is not going to be coherent. Mm. 
That might be true. Already in the things that like it 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 already in the trailers is like their conception of what the internet is has to be majorly skewed uh to kind of work. Mm-hmm. And that's going to not, I suspect that's not going to end up being really coherent. That might be true. <laughs> but we'll see. The The Vanellope with all the Disney princesses is pretty cute. It is pretty awesome. Did um, you see the news that, uh, uh, in way too seriously terms, about that trailer that they, uh, in one of the trailers, Tiana... And Pocahontas both had uh, noticeably lighter skin than they did in the still image. And Tiana's nose was more narrow than it used to be. Mm. And then there was widespread... Uh, Backlash? Unhappiness with that. And Disney changed them back. Darkened Tiana's skin again and uh, widened her nose. Mm. Interesting. I don't know whether they changed Pocahontas, but... That's interesting. Yeah. But, I mean... We'll cross that bridge because I'm sure we will watch that movie and talk about it when it comes out. Yes. So let's concentrate on this movie and let's get into the way portion of our show. Where would you like to start taking this movie way too seriously, Jan? There's a few moments that I want to draw attention to that are really good, in my opinion. Shoot. One of them that like jumped out at me in terms of watching it this time and thinking about the seriously is when um, in like the real world or whatever of the the kids playing the video games, the person that comes to play the hero's duty first person shooter game is a little girl. Hmm. And I feel like that is purposeful and that is unusual. And that is a step in a good direction to have the to have a little girl choose to play a first-person shooter game is not something you see represented in the movies pretty much ever. Mm-hmm. And to have a nice... And it, in general, in the real world, there's a nice gender balance of, of kids coming to play these video games, the including m- uh, boys playing Sugar Rush and, you know, it not be, definitely not being... There are girl games and boy games in this arcade. Yeah. So I really appreciated that. There's also a to have Jane Lynch's character be female, to have the hero's duty soldier be a woman was also unusual and I think stood out. Yes. However. <laughs> we have I have things to say about her, but if you have you said you had a few moments, do you wanna keep going before we come back to Calhoun and Jane Lynch's character, or should we talk about it now? Um, only that I feel like this movie did decently well with having a balance of male and female characters. Mm-hmm. It has its issues, but I was impressed with that aspect of it. However, let's get into Calhoun. So, like, first of all, in terms of balanced uh, characters, I totally agree. This movie passes the Bechdel test. If in no other way, it easily does because in Sugar Rush, the racers all talk to each other about each other. Mm-hmm. Um, I think all the racers are girls except King Candy. Yeah. And there's a lot of like, there's a female counterpart for every male character in the plot movement. Yeah. <laughs> but Calhoun, okay. I see a uh, 
upside to having her be played by Jane Lynch to have the hero of heroes duty be a woman is like good she's also though very much a uh stereotype of a strong female character who's like to be uh she's super aggressive super gruff kind of stare very stereotype Mm-hmm. Which is not the biggest problem because all the characters are kind of archetypes and stereotypes because they're video game characters. But she is that way because she has a tragic backstory where her fiancé was killed on her wedding day. So it's all about her uh, romantic, past. romantic past is what motivates her, really. And then she has to be Fix-It Felix's love interest. And... There's a forced romantic pairing that has to happen. And both of those, I thought, were unnecessary. Yeah, and that's where you get into, like, even just the plot terms, that that plot is not as strong. And I feel like they had to add it in because you're not going to have, thank goodness, Wreck-It Ralph and Vanellope have any kind of romance because they're very... uh, uh, I was going to say parent-child, but actually they're not really. They're just good friends. Well, and because Vanellope is a child. They're not parent-child, Van- but Vanellope is played Vanellope as is a child. Vanellope is very much a child. So they're not going to have any romance there. So they have to like, oh, well, we need some kind of romance in this yeah. movie. So let's let's make this other plot so we can have that. Even when it makes really no sense. No. And it's like, ends up doing things to Calhoun as a character that like, she becomes uh, an object of Felix's uh, gaze rather than a plot-motivating character of her own. Mm-hmm. You know? Absolutely, yeah. So I wasn't really happy with that. Yeah. <laughs> and, like, even even in terms of their romance, like, he uh, falls in love with her, and then that's the end of this, like... That's the yeah. end of the story. Like, does she? And then they get married. Because... Does she actually see anything in him at all? I never. You never really get that impression. No, but she doesn't have to because she doesn't have to see anything. She's the one who's seen because she's the girl, Jan. I know. <laughs> like, yeah. Yeah, exactly. Anything else in terms of gender and sexuality you want to draw attention to? Because I, other than that, I basically agree that it's they're doing pretty well. Yeah, I mean, it's um, it's interesting when you think about the plot in total is what you have is Turbo coming into Sugar Rush and taking over. You have this male character mm-hmm. who takes it like before he comes, this is an entirely female game. Yep. And then you have this male character who comes in and not only like joins the race, but takes charge and yep. assumes that he is in charge and there'll be no, you know, no one to, to take over from him. And I feel like that's an interesting representation of maleness and femaleness. Yeah. He comes into her space, replaces her, co-opts her power. Yeah. That is interesting. Uh, and by simply deleting the memories of, her uh her friends her friends accept him as the leader 
or her subjects. She's supposed to be princess. Yeah. What does it mean that she uh, uh, rejects the title princess at the end? That was interesting. Because cool girls aren't frou-frou? Yeah. I feel a little bit like that. But I also feel like it's her personality. But... Her personality is jeans and a sweatshirt is cooler and better than a fluffy dress because fluffy dresses are demeaning and uh, less than. Yeah, I think so. I think there's a little bit of that. And there was, and Disney kind of went this direction for a little while before they went back to princesses. They had, or rather, I don't know, they went this direction where like in The Princess and the Frog, you have a very stereotypical girly girl who is not the main character and is kind of made fun of. Yeah. And then you have uh, this one where, like, she really rejects all that. And so they kind of were, like, it was kind of an anti-princess anti movement. And even Tangled, uh, which the actual movie doesn't do that, but the marketing of it did. It's why yeah. it's called Tangled instead of Rapunzel, is they really wanted to downplay that it was a princess movie. Yes, exactly. Exactly. So, and I feel like that's uh, complicated because I do want to, like, you know, not every girl has to be a princess. You don't have to make everything about princesses. But then don't make it about princesses at all. Yeah, because I think I would be just as annoyed if it was like, it turns out she's the princess. Here, have your fluffy dress and be the princess because a girl just has to be the princess. That's what I would be saying if they'd landed there. Yeah, But then exactly. to explicitly reject that is just as problematic, I think, because it's saying, you know, you uh, to be an interesting and fully developed uh, girl means rejecting certain models of girlness that also are perpetuated by like who invented that princess archetype but disney yeah that specific princess archetype which now if you follow the archetype that we've given you you're a bad girl yeah right exactly just like don't have it yeah have her be you know vanellope the best racer why do you have to be like she's the princess no princesses are yucky forget that yeah exactly Exactly. It's just for no reason other than to demean a uh, kind of girlness. Yeah. Agreed. The central emotional journey in this movie is Ralph's... I mean, Ralph's the character who has the central emotional journey. And he starts off by being like, I'm a bad guy. Nobody loves me because I'm bad. Uh... But it's just my role and all the people in his Villains Anonymous are telling him, like, you have to play the role that society has assigned to you. Yes. Uh, And then by the end of the movie, he basically has said, yeah, that's true. It's kind of like, what's the what's the real message in this movie Mm. of like the the classic trite Disney uh, thing is be true to yourself. Is this a be true to yourself movie or is this an abandon what you think is it is to be true to yourself so that you can do what society expects of you movie? Because either one of those, I don't, I'm not super happy with. Yeah, it's a bit muddled <laughs> to say the <laughs> least because 
it's like I think they realize both him and like the people in his game realize that um it's just a play. Right. It's just they're putting on a show when they're when the gameplay is on, but when the gameplay isn't on, they can all be friends. And that was kind of what they needed to realize all along. Yeah. That I'm not sure Ralph really changes. Right? He, they change their minds about him. They decide yeah. to include him. Because what changes is everyone else appreciates what he was doing all along. Did he learn anything through the course of this movie? I'm not sure he did. It kind of reminds me of uh, the DreamWorks movie Ants, where Woody Allen is a drone ant. And he starts off the movie being like, I don't want to just be a worker drone. And then the whole movie happens. And at the end, he's like, I'm I'm a worker drone. And get, I'm exactly where I was at the beginning. But this time I chose it. And that's supposed to be a happy ending. Yeah, that's basically what it is. And it's like, is that a happy ending? <laughs> it's maybe uh, realize what you're good at and embrace it. Kind of a theme. Right. Like... You, the, when you do a job for a long t- any job for a long time it gets monotonous that's the plot of Spider-Man 2 <laughs> <laughs> sorry carry on <laughs> when you do any job for a long time it gets monotonous and you may find you know having like you know a midlife crisis or whatever like he is he's his game is 30 years old <laughs> and but realizing that you were good at it all along and finding joy in something that you already had talent for is a good thing? Is maybe a better uh, story than discover the one thing that you're good at that you haven't ever tried before but are magically good at. Exactly. I'm just like not sure in terms of the social commentary and your socially prescribed role and whether it's possible to leave that socially prescribed role like are we telling ourselves in this movie that like well (laughs) your role is your role forever yeah you know i think that's that is a problem with this movie is it does seem to like you have your role enjoy it don't try to break out of it because that way lies madness also how come this like what is with children's movies about midlife crises? <laughs> like Ralph, because the children's movies are written by adults. Yeah, but Ralph's central crisis seems yeah a very thirty-year-old, forty-year-old crisis. Yeah, right. That's not really a criticism. It's just like a. It's interesting <laughs> how yeah. much this is really a middle-aged person's emotional crisis but it's also i mean vanellope is a child and she's also having a crisis yeah and vanellope's i think vanellope's crisis mirrors uh ralph's in its conclusion in an interesting way that like neither of them really learn anything neither of them have grown as characters right yeah they've just made the world change it's not about internal it's about external yeah they changed the world. They it helped really, others. It really was just about finding a medal. 
It wasn't a metaphor. (laughs) (laughs) Well, Ralph, in the end, brings all these other uh, lonely villains and video game characters to his video game. There's, like, an outside and an inside. Like, he doesn't necessarily change all that much on the inside besides realize that he's okay with what he's doing as long as he has friends. Right. And then, but by doing that, he also helps all of his friends and makes new friends. Yeah, okay. I I can accept that. The last kind of thing to say about this movie, which I hate that this has become such a in-passing, by-the-way discussion on in our show, but it is because it is well-trod ground that, like, I don't have anything to say that I haven't said a hundred times before. This is a super white movie. Mm-hmm. Mindy Colling isn't white, but her character is. Yep. Other than that... Yeah, this movie is, this movie is, is pretty white. Pretty white. Pretty white. Yeah. Both on screen and off. Yeah. That's it also disappointing. is highlighting a, a problem in video games. Yep. Which is the same problem. Yep. And that, I feel like that's even greater of a problem when you're choosing like an avatar, you're choosing a character to play and there's nothing to yeah. play. Imagine you're a kid playing sugar rush and you're any any racial background other than white you can't have someone who represents you yeah exactly and that even like that's reflected in video games in general for like as a woman playing video games well i can play the woman who's wearing like who's gigantic boobs and wearing next to nothing or i can play like a Catholic schoolgirl uniform video game Like, it's just like, there's not a lot of options. Mm-hmm. And I mean, that goes across the board for all sorts of things. But yeah, this is a problem in video games that, that they're starting to fix. Because you identify the central premise of a video game is the avatar you choose represents you. And so making that avatar be a white man... Uh, is really literalizing what we've said a lot of times about movies, that the neutral standard person is a white man. Yeah, exactly. Fix-It Felix and Ralph are both white men. Yes, they are. So, in the end, is it good? Is it seriously good? I think it's medium good. Like, it's a pretty good... Like, I like it. I think it's it's pretty good. I think it's better than medium. Yeah. I think it's the fuzziness of the plot and the busyness of the animation that say like i don't think if you think of a good movie like totoro or uh moana or uh the breadwinner or you know this i don't think is not on the same quality level as those movies true because the plot is unclear and the animation's busy yeah that said it's far from bad no yeah definitely not i'd say it's better than medium yeah so I'd want to call it medium good. Yeah, I, I mean, I conclude with that. What about seriously? Seriously. <sighs> I mean, it's not seriously bad. Is it seriously good? I don't uh, think no, quite. No, I don't think quite. It has seriously good elements, but it has seriously 
not-so-good elements, too. I think Calhoun's, uh, my fiancé was murdered on my wedding day is intended for funny, but is seriously bad, not neutral. Yeah. And I think Calhoun and uh, Fix-It Felix falling in love is also seriously bad because of how it objectifies her. Mm Mm-hmm. And I think that the extreme whiteness of the movie is seriously bad. Seriously bad. I think medium. I think medium? seriously medium. Okay. I'm comfortable with that. That's where I come that. down on for that. I'm comfortable with that. All right. Medium good and seriously medium is our verdict on Wreck-It Ralph. All right. If you have things to say about Wreck-It Ralph, if you're looking forward to the sequel or not, like we apparently are, <laughs> between the two of us, uh, let us know. You can uh, tweet to us at WTScast. You can send us a long-form email, waytoseriouslycast at gmail.com. And if you enjoy the things that we do here on Way Too Seriously, you can support us on Patreon, patreon.com slash clockworkscast, where you'll get a special extra bonus trivia episode for every episode of Way Too Seriously that we make. And that's, you can have that for just $1 a month or more. And I just, uh, for the $3 level, you get all our episodes as much as a week early. That's something you might not know about, but is a thing. Yeah, So if you just sure can't is. wait till the next episode... They come early for patrons. There you go. And uh, if you really like what we do here, tell your friends, tell your family, tell all the kid movie loving people in your life. So I've been Paul Moffat. I've been Jan Moffat. And I'm going to wreck it. This podcast. Don't wreck the podcast. I'm going to wreck it. I thought you were going to say like, I've got a sugar rush. Why would I say that? I don't know. eating a lot of jelly beans <laughs> my kid brought home jelly beans <laughs> yeah that's true <laughs> trying not to eat all of them i'm all gonna of them. throw them all on the ground because i'm gonna wreck it <laughs>